Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the fourth episode of URT Number, the Amazing Race 32 recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name's Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who looks disgusted whenever he has to lunge, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. And the lady who looks disgusted whenever she sees her children, Michelle Pierce Denovan. Oh, for God's sake. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> How's it going? It's going well. So, what did you guys think about episode five? <laughs> <laughs> did everyone enjoy their two hour episode? About that. <laughs> I mean, contrary to popular belief, episode five was not cancelled because they wanted to avoid people moaning if uh, there was a an election update. It was just because CBS doesn't trust the season anymore. Oh, for <laughs> sake. Now you've made me say it twice in the same, like, what, two minutes? Because <laughs> they didn't even do an election update in the hour that they cancelled. No, so the official line is that they moved SWAT up because if a show needed to get preempted, it might as well be a repeat rather than something that people are going to bitch and moan on social media about. As it happened, people bitched and moaned on social media anyway because nobody can read the internet anymore. Well, they decided on really short notice. Yeah, I woke up fully assuming there was going to be two episodes to watch and was very confused when only episode four appeared. Yeah, and then what was what was more confusing is that the CTV, the Canadian affiliate, since they always air simultaneously with CBS, that they made the decision not to air the second episode till, or the second half, I should say, episode five, until a little bit later. So that it was up in the air if we were going to get a repeat of Treasure Hunters from fifteen years ago, because I don't know if you remember this, Michael, but. Back when Treasure Hunters was airing back in 2006, the Canadian affiliate aired the episodes out of order. So we didn't get to see, I think, I think actually what happened is we didn't get to see episode four, but we got to see episode five. So on all the forums, people were like, oh yeah, that was a great episode. This happened, this happened. And then the, all the Americans on the message boards were like, what the hell are you talking about? So we were really close to having a situation like that. And then you find out after the, episode aired that they leaked episode five on the official youtube channel anyway and a bunch of people have already watched it including you and i (laughs) logan and i were saying right before this we have to be super careful because we have seen the next episode my notes for next episode are already done why did you do that why i mean i i was actually thinking with a brain do episode four podcast first and then watch episode five Because I was working under the assumption, as I do most often, that people on Reddit are going to try and spoil me. So I watched it as soon as I could, so nobody can spoil anything for me. Would you have been spoiled, though? Have you seen something now? Yes. I actually had to tell someone off on Reddit this, this afternoon for not putting stuff in spoiler tags properly. There are definitely spoilers on Reddit, especially about who goes home. That's exactly why I had to watch it, too. I'm thinking, hmm... A lot of people reach out to me about certain stuff. Some people are just going to assume I've seen episode five at some point. (laughs) But the other more important thing is, we now have a history, this year even, of not spoiling things earlier than than we should. Or I do, because I've had to cut a lot of Logan spoiling things out of the Belgian Mole podcast. (laughs) Mainly referring to the Mole's gender, who it is, people who suspect them, that sort of stuff. That's that's different because that aired like five years ago. At least this I know. Hey, this aired next week. Most listeners have not seen it yet. That makes it so much easier. It does. But what I will say, as I said to Michelle, is this episode is better than episode five. However, episode five is still pretty damn good because it's a self-drive like. And that's the end of that. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I'm going to say about it. But it is. It's still pretty damn good. I enjoyed it which is more than I can say for most recent Amazing Race episodes, let's be honest. All right, let's get into it. Well, first, we actually have to do a bit of pre-episode 4 stuff, because did you guys see Will and James's video about last week? Um... Oh, they explain their U-turn usage? Yes. Yeah. Feel free to update us, Michael. 
Uh, so I did some quick notes on it of the important things we're going to care about, which is the fact that there are unlimited U-turns. You can use both if you want to. And Leo and Alana got U-turned because they got a reputation of being giant killers. Because they tried to make an alliance on the Tobago flight, which may have got Nathan and Cody eliminated. And then, obviously, as we saw, Kelly and Levon got eliminated because of their actions. And on the flight to Menaeus, they were spouting amazing race facts and had played down their superfan status, which um, made James and Will a bit a bit more wary of them because they thought they were the only proper superfans in the race. What facts were they spouting? I'm very curious. I'm not entirely sure, but apparently they were massively geeking over being on Amazing Race and maybe were a little bit too loud on the flight to Menaeus. Like, if they start referencing Valerine Bodana from Amazing Race Ukraine, then... Well, I, if I was Will and James, I would start being worried. <laughs> so, previously, nine teams raced into the Amazon. James and Will formed a first five alliance at the mine in uh, Bogota and targeted Leo and Alana. The alliance helped in Menaeus' busy market, although everyone did help each other. But Jerry and Frank forgot their shopping and sank their chances. Kaylin and Haley repaid Leo and Alana's previous help and saved them as Jerry and Frank got U-turned and sent home. And despite the fact that last episode ended with Leo and Alana going, we're not even going to confront James and Will, that's entirely how this episode starts. I think you said Jerry and Frank's names more in the, in those 30 seconds than we have for the past three podcasts. Past four, pardon me. I think you mean future All-Stars, Jerry and Frank. Yes. Yeah, they're for sure going to be on. <laughs> So, teams must now fly to Asuncion, Paraguay, and find Orquesta de Recicladas de Cateora to find their next clue. And James and Will leave at 11.11pm, 11, 11 and Chi live at 11.18, Kaylin and Haley at 11.33, Riley and Madison at 11.37, Gary and D'Angelo at 11.43, Apana and Ishwar at 12.42, Michelle and Vic at 12.56, and Leo and Alana at 1.57. 11, 11.11. I know, 11.11, 11, I wrote it down because I see it all the time. And what I will say is preemptive strike for next week. They don't show us all the uh, all the departure times next week, so that will be a rant. Why would they do it one week and not another week? I don't know. Because they have actually been surprisingly good, with the exception of the Keep On Racing leg, obviously, at telling us the departure times. Not next week, though. Even though this this or next week would have been a far more interesting time to show the departure times. So James and Will leave saying they formed a semi-alliance in leg two. Hung and Chi say they've struggled with communication in real life. And everyone is leaving on a flight at 3am to Paraguay. And at the airport, James and Will and Hung and Chi look up information about Paraguay for their friends. Do you know the backstory on this? No, <laughs> what is the backstory? So Leo and Alana did say on social media following the episode that... They did look up the uh, the maps for all their friends, but they forgot to clear their search history, and therefore everyone got the same oh, maps. Oh gosh. This is intense. <laughs> this is an intense group of people. <laughs> it's like if you're going to use public computers, the first rule is use private browsing, surely. It's it's maybe it's been a long time since they were in university using campus computers. Like you, if you're gonna log onto Facebook or whatever, you use private browsing if you're on a public computer, just so nobody saves your login. I've lost count of the amount of like hotel computers and stuff I've used where people have saved their Facebook logins. Where you actually get to log into their actual account, not just the password screen. Yeah, somebody did that at my pharmacy work actually, where she had both her Gmail and her Facebook open. On the on the day she got fired too, so after she left, it's like, oh my goodness. It's super dangerous too, because if you get someone as, let's be honest, immature as me, there is always the temptation to log into someone's Facebook and change their status and things. I've never done it, for the record, but there's always that temptation there, just niggling in the back of your mind. I would never have that temptation, just never. Imagine if one of the teams had logged into their social media and somebody else hopped on. Then Leo and Alana could just pretend to be Will and James and post spoilers for the first three episodes and get them kicked off of production. We we printed this off, Will and James. You guys leaked the whole first three legs. I mean, sure, we we leaked episode five one week ahead of time, but you guys just took it to a whole nother level. 
And we also get the first traditional confessional of the team who's going to come in last this leg when Kaylin and Haley get backstory about moving out early and being a perfect team together. If you don't know by by that confessional they're going to come in last in this leg, then you've not seen enough Amazing Race, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's very traditional editing-wise. However, the other interesting one for me is Riley and Madison, who say they play in double elimination tournaments. And it just makes me think, maybe they get saved by a non-elimination at some point. Really? You think that would tie into that? Yeah, there's no other reason to put that confessional in there. That's the thing. I'm obviously working on the very naive assumption that editors are good at their jobs here. But that's the sort of thing that kind of sets up a future storyline where you go, they play in double elimination tournaments, they worry about not having a safety net here, maybe they get a safety net later on. I want to, I'm want. i waiting for somebody to get the quadruple elimination tournament where they finish last on an NAL three times in the American version, I know it's happened in Asia, and then still win the race. So it's quadruple elimination. I don't know any volleyball tournaments that are like that. Maybe there's just a loser's bracket. <laughs> Isn't that season 24? Or a Redemption Island situation. And Okay, wait a minute. Before you go on, I have a question. You know how... You're supposed to start it with hey. Hey, you know. Yo, yo teach. <laughs> At the beginning of the episode, you know when they get to a new country, sometimes they show the big letters, which tells you where they are, right? I want to know if there's any big letters in Australia. I haven't seen any. That's what I want to know. If any Aussies are listening, tell me if there's any big letters anywhere. I don't recall seeing any in Sydney, Melbourne, or Cairns. No, they're everywhere in Asia, though. And, or Brisbane, yeah. Well, even South America. Actually, there's a country in Africa called Uruguay, and they have Montevideo in big letters. I know that because that's the very first thing I went to after I checked into my hostel. <laughs> And Logan and I have actually been to a former Amazing Race pit stop that had the big letters at the time we were there as well, which was um, the Rembrandt Park, Rembrandt Park in Amsterdam. Yeah, mm. yeah, I've done a lot of the big letters. They're super common in Europe and South America. Those letters are no longer there, can I point out. They have been moved to Schiphol Airport. Why? There was a big spat between um, someone on Amsterdam City Council and and the the mayor of Amsterdam, I think, over them a few years ago. It wasn't long after uh, Amazing Race went there, actually. It was, I think it was about three months after we went to Amsterdam. Um, there was a big falling out over them, and uh, someone on the city council insisted that they got removed. And they are 100% outside Schiphol Airport now because I pass them every single time I go to Schiphol. I'm not sure if they are the same ones or whether they were already at Hkipol and literally the ones in Rembrandt's Park have gone, but there are there are 100% only uh, bitch I am Amsterdam letters outside Schiphol Airport now. Who would have thought we would have suddenly been talking about big letters for such a long time? I must I'm admit, sorry. I was really confused when you started talking about big letters. I'm like... <laughs> what does Michelle mean? And then when Logan started talking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, I know what she's talking about now. (laughs) It was like a half a second view of the big letters. (laughs) You know what would have been really helpful for for a team if there was big letters telling them what continent they're in would have been Michelle and Victoria, who genuinely thought that both Paraguay and Uruguay were in Africa. They didn't know if Paraguay was in Africa. All they said was, I know Uruguay's country, and I know that's in Africa. And I'm thinking, ooh, I've been to Uruguay. I took a boat from Argentina to Uruguay. Either that was the world's fastest boat ride, (laughs) (laughs) or I may be doubting Victoria's or Michelle and Victoria's geographical knowledge. Maybe it's just just like the Amazing Race Australia clue of, um, of drive to Australia. Oh, in Cuba. Yeah, maybe there's just a really fast land bridge between uh, Cuba and Australia. It'd be a long one. <laughs> just don't break down with the 50s cars on it. And Leo and Alana say that they are thrilled that everyone can catch up because, you know, they are three hours behind the leaders at this point. And it is carnage when they leave the airports. Oh, how good is that? How good is that, leaving the airport? We haven't had 
a good shot like that for ages. And those poor taxi drivers are like, what the hell has just happened to us? You know, they, they're always there every week. They never get a customer. People think they're dodgy. Next minute, they're just people running at them. Come with me. The problem here is that there are so many times now in especially modern amazing race where everyone's on the same flight and it it minimizes the actual travel aspect however it does lead to scenes like this where it's utterly chaotic <laughs> i loved it there's taxi drivers that are sit, that are probably sitting there thinking man ride shares are killing my business especially in south america and especially uruguay i don't know about paraguay it's like, man, Uber's just killing me. And then you get this onslaught of nine or eight teams coming at you begging for a taxi ride. It's like, yes, hop in. I don't even know where you're going. I don't even know if I can get there, but <laughs> please, I haven't had a customer in weeks. Are you sure they have ride-sharing apps in Africa? You've just got to be careful. Well, I know in Africa they do. There's some interesting ones. I think we talked about the Uganda ride-sharing app uh, last season. Where it's all just motorcycles, essentially. There's no actual... I don't think you can really use a ride-sharing app and get a car, I don't think, in Kampala. Or maybe it's a bit more expensive. And Michelle and Vic have to switch taxis as their driver does not know where they're going. At least he was honest at the start and said, you know what, you you ultra, ultra taxi. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not even going to pretend I know. I'm not even going to take the money away from you. <laughs> so it is a roadblock when they arrive, which is who's feeling instrumental. And in this roadblock, one team member must repurpose items from landfill to build themselves a cello. And it is Madison, Ishwar, Leo, D'Angelo, Chi, James, Michelle, and Kaylin doing the roadblock. I wonder, because Will and James learn all of these different languages for instructions, but in Paraguay, a good chunk of people speak Guaranese. I'd be really impressed if Will and James were able to get all the way down to Guaranese in the list of languages to speak. Yeah, I'd assume that they probably practice Spanish. You'd hope. I'm not sure if they would have got that far down the list. Logan, what would, what did you call that language again? Guaranese. I think it, it's like a substantial number of people in Paraguay speak it. Because I, I like how it's, it's sort of an anomaly. Because Paraguay is sort of an anomaly within South America. So I always found it fascinating that they had an indigenous language that didn't get completely overtaken. I learned something new today. I have never heard of that language before. I'll look up the exact percentage. Pardon me, this language is Guarani, and 4.6 million people speak it in South America. Interesting. And 52% of rural Paraguayans speak it. I don't know about city people. I'd have to read more. Oh, so, let's see. Oh, Guarani is spoken by more than 90% of Paraguayans. And that's your Logan Saunders linguistic fact for this episode. I'll be here again next week. <laughs> Thank you. How are you going to get anything out of French? <laughs> I don't know. It's the one area of the world where Michelle and Vic don't have to randomly say mercy to people and, and <laughs> it, it be bitched about on social media. I didn't know that they had said mercy to people. Yeah, they say um, Michelle says mercy again when she leaves uh, the roadblock. She says mercy to yeah. the uh, judge. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> because oh because I've been making a note of it. Uh, did you notice Kaylin and Haley repeated each other? They, they were like they were twins in the cab. The way they they spoke, they they would say the same line like a millisecond after the other. It was really weird. I found it weird, but I mean they must be really close sisters. I must admit, I do love Kaylin and Haley. They are very fun on social media, mainly because yeah. Kaylin and I have had at least one conversation, which was just ragging on Logan Saunders and teasing him, <laughs> and he doesn't know about it yet. <gasps> Tell me. <laughs> We we had a little conversation on the Reality TV Warriors Instagram. I think it was after Logan did his week two funniest complaints videos. Oh. And I'm assuming you got a bit of fallout from this, which is why I'm mentioning it now. But um, I pretty much said to her, you've got my permission to just be as mean to him as you want. Don't give him a, a big head. <laughs> I, I have a question. Because I know like people say I suffer from slight like facial aphasia. But I still can't really tell Kaylin and Haley apart, and I've seen five episodes. Five episodes now. <laughs> One of them um, is wider. Her face is a little bit wider than the other. Now, which one that is, I can't remember. <laughs> but I can tell them apart. Logan, stop being but, so yeah. racist. 
Yeah, I know. It's it's a running joke between me and my best friend Kimberly where it's like I can't tell blonde white women apart. It's really tough for me. <laughs> it's been a running joke for like 10 years. <laughs> I'll do a, another quick story where I was on the bus and I thought I was talking to one of my closest friends from high school. It wasn't a blonde white woman. His, uh, his name is Doug. And I was talking to him <laughs> for like 15 minutes on the bus and then the guy seemed a little bit confused. And then after the fact, I figured out that it was his brother. So I had a conversation with this guy thinking it was Doug. And no, it was his brother, Patrick, for like 15 minutes. And I didn't figure it out. So I definitely suffer from some, like, not significant aphasia. Not like a cute one, but there's something there. Michelle, unless <laughs> otherwise proven, it is my ad canon that that's Doug from Punted. <laughs> okay. It's definitely him unless Logan can prove otherwise. And I will say, if I had to give out an MVP award this week, other than Michelle and Vic for essentially winning the leg apart from getting a really bad taxi at the start, it's probably Leo and Alana because we get our first indication here that Leo and Alana are pretty damn good and actually James and Will might have been right to target them. Because Leo is really good on this roadblock. Mm. Because this is the first task where actually a lot of their skills come into play because Leo's mum teaches string instruments so he spent a lot of time around them and Ishwa says that he relies on his general engineering skills however if you pay attention you'll know it's a Frankenbite because half of the confessional is pre-race it is them standing in the park where they did their initial interviews is there any other thing to their edit that the producers want us to know How, Like it's like Leela talking about the orphanarium constantly in Futurama I don't get what Afana and Ishwal's edit is, I'll be honest. It's really weird after four episodes because we know basically nothing about them. We know what we knew about them before the race started. They have roots from India, they've been to India, and they en- do some sort of engineering stuff. And every leg they survive, they keep setting the record for the best Indian-American team ever to be on the race. So it's really weird how little of them we're seeing, given they're trailblazers, technically. Yeah, and they're not even from Portland. And D'Angelo says his number one claim to fame is putting IKEA furniture together with no instructions, you know, as opposed to his semi-successful NFL career, or the fact that he dressed up as Alien at Comic-Con and got a lot of um, a lot of attention for that, or the fact that he dressed up as Alien for Halloween and got a lot of attention for that. No, not that. It's that he can put IKEA furniture together really well. Not good publicity for Ikea. And talking of Kaylin and Haley, their road is closed and their driver gets lost and spends a good deal of time asking someone nearby for any instruction whatsoever. Or for some mate, probably just taking a mate break knowing that part of South America. <laughs> oh, we're definitely going to get to mate fairly soon. And Leo says that he's trying to work quietly because he doesn't want people to know what he's doing. And yet again, we see the five in the Alliance help each other. As much as I quite like all the teams in the alliance individually it is a bit tedious this being a major storyline especially when we basically get no indication of why leo and alana get targeted so quickly on the actual episodes it's just lazy storytelling i would say they're investing a lot into reminding us of this alliance and Hung says that she's humbled to see the creative kids while she's waiting for Chi to uh, to complete the task. And D'Angelo leaves in first. And teams must now find a Terrere, a Terrere vendor at Mikado 4 and search for their next clue. Caution, yield ahead. If um, Logan has the problem with faces, I have the problem with Hung and Chi because I want to keep calling them the opposite of what their real names are. I want I want the girl to be Chi and the guy to be Hung. I just don't know why. (laughs) I was waiting for that girl. I was waiting. But they don't, I don't know. I think the name should be the other way around. I can promise you that clip is 100% making it into the Facebook clip next time I do it. (laughs) No, don't do that, Michael. I didn't mean it like that. Don't do that. (laughs) You said it. I know, but I didn't mean it like that. I have to actually say the words to complete the sentence. No, Michelle, no, you don't. Oh, God. (laughs) Yes, I had to. How else could I have said it? How else could I have said it? I want his name to be 
hung, not okay, <laughs> like his name. Okay, I want his name to be hung and her name to be Chi. I want him to be called hung. I want his name to be hung. I want it. <laughs> or what's his name? Oh, I I was hoping his name was hung. Not. <laughs> I need the woman to be. I need the woman. To, I want the woman Chi and the man to be hung. You couldn't have said that any worse. I didn't. You know, I didn't mean it like that. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my I God. can't talk normally around you two, honestly. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think if you're around most people, that would, they would have picked up on that. Who's typing, Michael? Why Michael's are you typing? typing? Nothing. I don't know. Nothing, dear. I think he's t- taking down the exact second that this happens in the recording. I think this is going to be a soundbite, Logan. I can promise. I don't want be a it to be a soundbite, Michael. Michael, I didn't mean it. Far out. (laughs) Far out. Next thing. Michelle, in seven years nearly of knowing you, that is one of the funniest things you've ever said in my presence. It wasn't meant to be funny. That's probably what helps it more. It's like a Michael Scott moment from The the Office. God. Or uh, what's it? Tobias Funke. That would be a Tobias Funke quote, 100%. Have you guys noticed how I've been putting clips at the end of each episode? I'm 100% thinking of putting, I want the guy to be hung, as uh, this week's one. Uh, I hate you. (laughs) I know. Um, (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right, moving on. Did we see Will and James practicing their bottle balancing yet? On where we're up to? No, we're way, way Sorry. before that. We're not in a, even oh, at the Terraria vendor yet. Oh, for God's sake. No. Okay. All right. Go on. Go on. So, D'Angelo leaves him first, and Madison drops his when trying to get help from Chi. Then Chi gets rejected, and James leaves in second, and Leo's reaction, because they really want to set this up as a rivalry, is good for him. Then Madison gets rejected, and Chi leaves in third and helps Madison on his way out telling him that he needs to make sure that it's 11 inches. Nothing? Okay. And Leo leaves in fourth, and Ishwar says his engineering background is not helping him. Again with the engineering. Engineering is not a personality, guys. I'm sorry. It's an occupation. I should note that, much like how the U-turn, how in the clue they said, uh, get ready to make a big move, this week for the yield clue it says, get your hourglass ready. It's really interesting how they seem to be putting a yield in every leg apart from the U-turn ones. And it does make me think, did they have an unaired yield last week? I don't think so. I think as long as you have one of each on each leg, they can just keep up that pattern. I hope there's one in the finale because, boy, oh boy, would that be controversial. Especially if it's used. Yeah. And you win the season by nine minutes because you used a 10-minute yield hourglass on the other team. Would that be the most controversial ending ever? It's got to be up there. It would be. I'm trying well, other than KK Kendra winning because of a train and a deep dish pizza. So Madison leaves in fifth and then Michelle leaves in sixth. Mercy! Ishwar struggles to string the cello repeatedly and then leaves in seventh after well over two hours. But it's nothing compared to Kaylin's time. Yeah. Kaylin describes it as the hardest thing she's ever done and that she never wants to see a cello again. And then they leave in last. And then nobody uses the yield. I'm not even going to pretend. They actually genuinely could have cut this yield out because we don't even see it for anyone apart from the first four teams. Did you hear about, um, Mark Carroll was telling me a rumor about the Paraguay yield. Oh, oh yeah, I, I heard uh, Aparna and Ishwar got yielded. Yeah, that was the rumor, yeah. Mark was like, yeah, Aparna and Ishwar were supposed to be yielded in Paraguay, but I guess that didn't happen. No, because we saw everyone ahead of Aparna and Ishwar not use it, because we saw yeah. the first six teams say they don't want to yield, and then they arrived in seventh. That's really weird. So when they get to the vendor, they have to prepare Terere and then carry a jar of it for the rest of the leg, which we don't see again. No. 
And I actually had a note here, which is, that's definitely Marte. And then, as Logan well knows, I did look it up, and it is basically the Paraguayan version of Marte. Oh, how I miss Southern South America. <laughs> There's one other thing that makes this leg stand out as a very Southern South America leg. Yeah, as as Logan well knows, Marte was one of our favorite things during the Belgian Mold Argentina season, which is still available, by the My way. Michael! What? You've tweeted it! I haven't... Jesus! I don't know what you're talking about, Michelle. Jesus, Michael! What? Oh, Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about, Michelle. Kill, kill you, kill you. God, why aren't you coming to Sydney now? <laughs> Far out. <laughs> My God. You are so immature. I can't believe it. Did anyone notice that the ne- the place for the mate, I think, was called Plaza O'Leary? Or the, I think that might be where the watermelons were. That is where the watermelons take place, because I was going to mention that in a minute. Yeah, as Logan well knows, Mate was one of our favourite things in uh, in Belgium or Argentina, which is still available, by the way, on uh, on NowTVWarriors.com and on any good podcast site. Because there was one point during a pretty intensive drive in uh, in Argentina where they did just stop for Mate randomly. And it was just kind of one of the character scenes that we saw. I miss sipping on mate. Actually, I, I I might start making my own mate again. Not from scratch, but like just mixing it together with the leaves. <laughs> also, I should note when they're when Will and James are making the mate, uh, James is really good with just pounding it in there. I thought he was really good at that. So when teams have made their terrera, they find out that it is the first ever switchback detail, which is stack your melons or use your melon. How do you guys feel about it being a switch back to basically the two good tasks of the one previous Paraguay visit? I like it. I mean, I, there were some people online saying, do you think it's lazy? And I said, no, I don't. I think I think it's good to bring back a task that may have caused conflict or was very entertaining or the fans really loved. Like they've done the rolling cheese one twice. So I, I don't. I don't get the animosity towards bringing something back. I like a switchback. If you're going to do any switchbacks from season 20, I'm fine with it being the one leg where the alleged strongest team of all time in the American version couldn't complete either of those tasks. Can you remember the um, the other task that they didn't bring back? This will really test the Talstorian. What was the third task that they didn't bring back? That was the the string one where they where that screwed up the twin soccer player slash the one rock and roll guy who didn't even have a rock and roll hit. It was indeed putting together a string instrument. Does that sound familiar, kids? This entire leg is a switchback, basically. That's kind of funny because there's only been one Paraguay episode ever. I don't think even Latino America went to Paraguay in any of their seasons, and here we have three all three of those tasks being repeated. Minus the I guess they I guess this the string one wasn't counted as a switchback because so it's made from garbage. So I guess we're like, eh, it's not quite enough. Doesn't meet the criteria. I don't even know what the exact criteria it is for a task to be qualified as a switchback. Like is there a rubric of like five categories? Like, oh no, there's garbage involved. No, can't say it's a switchback, sorry. I think it's very interesting that basically all of the tasks, with the exception of the Terraro making, where nobody overtook anyone, all three of the tasks that we see in this episode of either very similar to the previous episode or entirely the same as the previous episode in the one other visit that um, Asuncion has ever had worldwide, because I've just looked it up. Even Latino America didn't get to Paraguay. Okay, I was right then. Yeah, I was thinking, I don't remember them going to Paraguay. But yeah, it's funny. Well, the only thing we missed out on was Elliot or somebody like Elliot and Andrew just throwing their backpack like a, like a hammer throw 20 feet out of frustration. Yeah, and it's interesting Michelle mentioned that people were complaining that um, it may have been a bit lazy, because my next note is this. In the first ever double switchback, teams face two of the three challenges from the only other Paraguay leg because producers are lazy. It is a little bit lazy, I'm sorry. I don't I don't think that. I don't. I like it. I like that we got to revisit the whole watermelon thing. It feels like they're rewriting history a little bit over this season and last season, because if you consider they brought back Art and JJ mainly to humiliate them and they weren't nearly as dominant a force as they were before and now 
they bring back these tasks so you don't have to think, oh, how bad was Amazing Race 20? Because Amazing Race 20 was not a great season. But people aren't thinking that. People aren't thinking like you are. It's just really interesting to compare the two seasons that actually filmed in 2018 and go, maybe they're just rewriting Tar 20 a little bit. Especially as in the start of this season, we did see a clip of Rachel and Dave fighting, amongst other things. So, in Stack Your Melons, teams must stack watermelons in a 10-layer pyramid to get their next clue. However, in a major negative for this task, we see far too much Bopper and Mark for my liking, when you could have actually revisited the good bit of that task, which is Vanessa and uh, Rachel fighting. Yep. <laughs> my thoughts exactly. I'm like, I was surprised they didn't air that part. No, that's that's like the reason that that task is notable, is the fact that it was really the kickoff of the fractious nature of that cast, I would say. And in Use Your Melon, teams must learn a bottle dance and officially be better than Major Dave to get their next clue. And as Logan pointed out, the watermelon task does take place this time in the unfortunately named Plaza O'Leary. It's a name switchback. As opposed to the uh, the previous visit, which took place, I believe, at the fruit market of Asuncion. So it's not a switchback then. They sw- use a different market. Yeah, the the bottle dance isn't in the same place either. I'm curious, do they have the same penalty related to the bottles? Because there has there's not an infinite number, is there? No, but I assume I assume without actually having asked anyone in the cast this. I think there was a table for each team. If you ran out of bottles, you must have had to do the watermelons. That's a good point. Because there were definite there were definitely numerous tables there, and I assume it was just you claim a table, that is your set of bottles. And I think they actually had more bottles than the um, the roadblock last time they were in the Sunsian. I think the last time, if I recall correctly, it was only 20 bottles. Yeah, there was there was about 50 per team in this one. 50, yes. Okay. Did it happen last time? Did they have to switch? Did they go through 20? No, they got penalized. That's why Dave and Rachel never... Uh, they're the only team to have got to have survived a leg without completing a single task because they because Dave got the penalty on that roadblock and then they used their express pass on the detour. Oh, yeah. So they didn't do a single task the whole episode. Yeah, it was the only time that Dave and Rachel ever struggled because they were one of many teams who actually ran out of bottles on that um, on that roadblock. And then they got saved in the penultimate leg on that ferry <laughs> in Japan. Mason Race 20 history. Yeah, Tastorian podcast for Amazing Race 20 coming next year. Yeah. Spoilers, no it's not, because I'm never speaking about Bopper and Mark, I'm sorry. That is a line I will not cross. <laughs> you just did. <laughs> you know what I mean, I don't want to I don't want to do an entire ten episodes of a season, or nine episodes of a season, just bitching about Bopper and Mark. Oh, about Mark, let's be honest. None more so than I did in Tal 24. Uh, so, D'Angelo does not understand what the purpose of this task is and starts throwing watermelons. Aim for the tree. Do you think that any self-respecting Amazing Race fan who's seen this season before would go, I'm not touching those watermelons with a barge pole? Because it is one of the very rare times where you break the Harmstone rule of avoid the dance task at at all opportunities, because the bottle dance was easier and the bottle dance was way more lenient, I would say. It took Gary and D'Angelo hours to do that watermelon challenge. Four hours. Just under four, four hours. hours, yeah. Whereas the bottle dance, even if you're James and Will and have practiced doing the bottle dance before, the bottle dance maybe took an hour at most. I know it was apparently pretty brutal, but I don't think it took people nearly as long as um, as the watermelons would have. Well, Michelle and Victoria jumped up a huge number of spots because of that task. And that's what actually gives this like bonus point to me, is the fact that there really were quite a lot of switch-ups and placements. Actually, Ishwar and Aparna, they also uh, jumped up because they chose the, the bottles too. So, James and Will, as we do see, practice bottle dancing with wine bottles pre-race, albeit not made of sugar glass, and definitely not filled with liquid. I want to know what else they practice now. Well... In another Anad clip, they did also practice another task from that season, which was the head shaving and the painting a tiger on an Indian man's stomach. But I'm not sure we're going to see that one. It'd be funny if there's a team who intentionally shaved their heads before the start of the season, just in case that fast forward comes up and they can complete the fast forward even faster. I don't think we'll ever see a, a switchback fast forward again. 
You can't never say never, Michael. Well, mainly because Amazing Race is going to get cancelled after this season, but also because um, they're going the Survivor route of casting more superfans, and I don't think you want to necessarily do an entire a task that superfans know how to deal with it quickly. Unless they want to um, do a shaving the head like the Aussie one where you had to look like a monk. That's different. What happens if a team was bald for that? Fast forward, would they have just given them a wig? No, they have to go the uh, Amazing Race Philippines route and convince someone else to get their head shaved. Which was a genuine fast forward on Amazing Race Philippines. Oh, that's a good twist on it. Yeah, they had to convince someone to um, to get their head shaved in order to win the team um, a fast forward. Just drag somebody there. <laughs> get me the shears! Get me the shears! Here's one syringe full of rohypnol. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Pick God. a victim. So Gary says that he thinks the watermelon stacking is going to be easy. Oh boy, is he going to be wrong by the end of this episode? And Will says his dance training works against him. Gary throws badly and ends up hitting trees and ruining more of the watermelons. And then someone breaks the Michelle Pierce-Denovan rule of details. Which is, Michelle? <laughs> Don't change. Especially when you change from the sass that was, in my opinion, far easier. Yeah, Hung and Chi decide to switch details because Hung struggles to find her balance with the wine bottle stacks on her head. I wonder if I'd be able to do that. My top of my head is flat. It's really weird. It's not rounded like I'm assuming most normal heads are rounded. And my dad used to be able to dance with a, a glass of whiskey on his head really well. So I'm wondering if I've inherited that from my dad and it would be easy for me or whether you need a rounded head to be able to balance it, you know, properly. Mind you, the girls used their buns on their head to balance it a bit more, and I thought, oh, I think they should have been asked to take their buns down. Christmas nights at the Pierces must have been really riveting. No, he used to do that in the pub. No, my dad used to dance in the – well, because we own pubs, you know. He used to dance in the pub with the whiskey on his head. So this is the barman or the owner. Dancing with the whiskey and serving drinks to others. So, what you're saying is your dad used to recreate the bottle dance but with whiskey on his head instead of uh, wine bottles? Correct. Who was playing that music? <laughs> that. <laughs> they even used the same song again. My favourite thing is it seems to be a recurring joke this season that there, is, whenever there is a brass band around, there is a sad trombone for anyone who fails. <laughs> Is it just I a know, did guy? they bring him? Did they bring him on the plane from the circus challenge? <laughs> That's gonna be one of the like unaired uh, CBS clips. It's just the instead of how in older seasons they had Phil Kogan's diary for the for CBS.com, now it's just sad trombone player who gets to <laughs> go do the whole season. I wanna know if he comes again and I wanna see if he uh, plays it again and he's just coming the whole way with them. You know how um they dubbed this season a back-to-basics season. What they should have done is gone back to the season one tactic of only having Phil appear for the last team, but having the greeter for the last team also be a sad trombone player. Just as they walk into the pit stop, it's just... It'd be really insulting at the finish line, though, if you come in second place at the finish line thinking you won, and then, you know, that trombone guy is just insulting you. I mean, I'd want to punch that guy out. You just have an indoor finish line and um, have the first team just be waiting in the wings and Phil waiting in the wings after the first team check-in. And in, instead of Phil walking out to greet them, it's just to greet the second and third place team. It's just the sad trombone player just going... Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> CBS is allocating their budget in really strange ways this year. <laughs> So Michelle and Vic look really disgusted when they uh, have to lunge, and they realise that they have to lunge. And James drops on their first attempt, at which point we see a Paraguayan man belly laughing at him. And then we get the sad trombone music when Will drops his, and then they leave bottles in first after three attempts. And teams must now find Plaza Italia, the pit stop for the leg of the race. The last team to check in may be eliminated. Such a big Italian population in that part of the world, especially Uruguay. Uruguay is a massive Italian population. Such a big Italian population in a lot of countries in the world. 
Yeah, what's wrong with their what's what's wrong with the homeland? <laughs> and there's absolutely no suspense. James and Will checking in first and win five thousand dollars each. And Riley and Madison have a very interesting tactic at the watermelon challenge. They decide instead of stacking it layer by layer, they are going to stack each side, which seems like a recipe for disaster. Except it works out really well. Yeah. Mm. I don't entirely know how. It's very fluky. And then, as you can kind of predict from their first confessional this leg, Hung and she have a bit of trouble communicating with each other. And out of nowhere, Michelle and Vic leave bottles in second after three attempts as well. And they check in in second and say that they've never been this close before. For some reason, when teams finished the bottle task, they were very, very excited. There was a lot of, like, we just won the World Series champagne-esque celebrations, or, like, pouring the water all over their shirt, or spraying the other people, and then lots of jumping. Everyone's always really amped up when they finish it. I can imagine that it would be an incredibly frustrating challenge to do, but I think it's probably still slightly easier if you if you aren't hung and have a evidently quite a rounded head then um i think the bottle challenge is way way easier yeah but so it's so hard i actually stopped i didn't realize that i'd stopped breathing when victoria was trying to get back up and i thought oh my god okay i've actually stopped breathing breathe breathe i think both sides of the detour are very difficult but i think unless you spot the trick to the watermelon challenge early which is that some are vertical some are horizontal then I think you screw yourself on melons far too quickly. Talking of bottles, Leo and Alan leave bottles in third after five attempts, and they smash bottles on each other's heads to celebrate. Like they're looking for a clue from Amazing Race 9. <laughs> oh my goodness. And then Riley and Madison are the first to leave melons, but they actually leave in fourth place, and they check in in the same order, Leo and Alan are third, Riley and Madison in fourth. Apana and Ishwa leave bottles in fifth, Hung and Chi leave melons in sixth, and they check in in exactly the same order again, and Hung and Chi say that his lack of communication has been a problem since they met. I don't see a problem in their communication. I don't even know why they're bringing it up. They're talking to each other. It's really interesting if you compare Hung and Chi to Rachel and Dave right now, because what place did Rachel and Dave check in on the Paraguay leg, Logan? Oh, oh, Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter. Sixth place. What place did Hung and Chi check in in this leg? Sixth place. Correct. <laughs> bing, 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 Hung and Chi are by far the most dominant team of the season, and I think people are sleeping on them slightly. Hung and Chi are very, very good so far. Hmm. And their first sign of struggle was in Paraguay, where they came sixth, and they vowed to do much better. So it'll be very interesting to see if Hung and Chi actually do do better after this leg. Yeah, Chi needs to speak up more, maybe take a bit more control. He needs to, dare I say, have a bit more machismo uh, in the future. Hung and Chi and Dave and Rachel both chatting in first on both of the first two legs and then sixth in Paraguay. It's a very interesting parallel to make. And Gary and D'Angelo get a pity acceptance at Melons after 3 hours and 47 minutes and leave in 7th. And then Kaylin and Haley leave bottles in last. And yeah, they check in in the same order. However, I do have a bit of information here. <laughs> Shocker. Because Kaylin and Haley checking in last, but are safe from elimination. Sadly, they have a speed bump, boo, speed bump, insert usual Harmstone rant. However, thanks to Instagram, do you know what time Kaylin and Haley checked in at? <laughs> and this is why it's really, really sad we don't get departure times. Kaylin and Haley checked in after the sunrise the next morning. The sunrise the next morning was 5.53am. Hang on, but it was dark, wasn't it, when they were checking in? Yeah, there is an Instagram story that they got tagged in yesterday, I think it was saying that they checked in at the pit stop as the sun was about to rise, which was 5.53am. When was, when did the... Oh, Jesus, really? I did check what time the sunrise was on November 18th, 2018, which was the day that that leg filmed, because it, it was in the Insta story as well. I'm not that sad to know that. But yeah, 5.53am apparently. When did Gary and D'Angelo check in? I've no idea. I only know Kaylin and Haley's. This is why it's a real shame that we don't get the full departure times next leg, because... I suspect that Kaylin and Haley were very far behind. The greeter wasn't there, was he? No. 
No, poor guy. Poor Phil. Jesus. Maybe that's why Phil says he was so exhausted by the end of the season. I can guarantee that this rest period was no less than 24 hours. <laughs> because it was very, very late for them. God, that's insane. So yeah, boo speed bump. I hate speed bumps, they are stupid. The speed bump isn't brilliant next week, I'll be honest. Would you rather have them get their clothes taken away? I would rather have them actually have to do an additional requirement to a task, I'll be honest. They definitely should go down the the handicap from Norge route and have an additional requirement to a task. There is more than the capacity in the next leg for them to have done that. They should not have had a speed bump. Speed bumps are generally stupid, pointless tasks that nobody cares about and nobody remembers. I have literally one note about the speed bump next leg, which is what the speed bump is. And we also get a bit of backstory from Kaylin and Haley, which is that their dad is sick and he hasn't been able to get proper medical treatment, which is very prescient in the week of the American election. Mm-hmm. So next week, teams fly to Paris, Hung and Chi get creamed, Riley and Madison have no aim, and James and Will get stuck in a car park. How can you get stuck in a car park? Oh, you can. <laughs> yeah, just remember that question next week, Michelle. <laughs> Write God. that down. So, what do you think is going to happen next week? Logan, you're not allowed to speak. I have no idea what's going to happen, because Kaylin and Haley have been third and then eighth, and then... On the other hand, Alana and Leo have been eighth and then third, and the only one who's sort of been, you know, around the same is is Riley and Madison and Aparna and Ishwar. Like, seriously, Will and James aren't going out. That's the only thing that I can think to say because even Michelle and Victoria have gone from arriving seventh to second. Like, I literally have no idea for next week. What I'll say is self-driving is a very interesting concept when you throw it into an amazing race season. Mm. Are they in Paris? Are they in Paris next week? Where in France are they? See, driving in Paris is insane. They fly to Charles de Gaulle, they spend most of the leg outside of Paris, the pit stop is in Paris, and they do have to get a taxi there, but everything else is Mm self-drive. I literally have no idea who could possibly go. It's a very interesting leg. So have you got anything else you want to say, guys? No, I went through this whole episode without spoiling anything about episode five, so I feel proud of myself. Logan, I'm proud of you. Whew, that was tough. Big exhale. Just like watching the election results. (laughs) So, thank you for listening to our Amazing Race 32 recap. We'll be back next Sunday to recap episode 5. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors or you can email us on contact at rtvwarriors.com Logan is on Twitter at LogSuperQuacky Michelle is at Bear3 and I am MJ Harmstone. Logan and I are also going to be continuing to cover Belgium Mall South Africa every Thursday till Christmas. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye! Peace out and just chill till the next episode. I want the guy to be hung. <laughs>